Hello and welcome to another episode of Point of Purchase by Geekspeak Commerce. Today is episode number 21, believe it or not. Uh, Point of Purchase is a quarterly episode and show where we talk about all things retail uh, and e-commerce. Uh, we talk about technology, talk about business strategy, uh, and so much more. My name is Isaac Wanzama. I'm the founder and chief strategist of Geekspeak Commerce. And I'm going to be your host for today's episode, which is going to be an awesome one. Today's episode is called Find It If You Can, How to Implement Product Taxonomy and Drive Online Sales. Uh, a really important topic, obviously, if you're trying to build a, an e-commerce uh, you know, website and strategy. Uh, taxonomy is a critical aspect of any retail business since it drives not only your back end uh, as you try to you know, categorize and organize your catalog, uh, but also your front end as well. Uh, if you're not uh, doing uh, a great job taking taking you know taking notes and taking track of what's in your inventory uh you certainly cannot deliver a great experience now obviously there's something we're concerned about and obviously as we know that translates not only lost sales but more importantly lost opportunities uh if your customers can navigate and find the product you're looking for so we're going to dig into all this today discuss taxonomy get into the pitfalls uh the wins and the losses when you're implementing these projects which sometimes can be quite sizable uh joining me to discuss Yes, today is uh, Trisha Williams and Ali Akbar of Geekspeak Commerce. Hi, Isaac. Ali. How are you guys doing? Let's get going. How are you guys? Doing really well. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So I made it through uh, the intro, which I, I knew that I would. Uh, I want to ask you both to introduce yourself in a moment. But before I get to that, I just uh, want to do a quick note uh, for those who are viewing and uh, understanding and learning about taxonomy today. If you do have any questions that you may have, uh, for myself or the two folks who are on the show who have a lot of knowledge to share about uh, you know taxonomy and e-commerce, please leave them in the comments. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you could also reach out to us online. I will be more than happy to uh, help you answer any questions you have. So I'm going to turn back to our guests uh, today. Uh, Trisha Williams, a managing partner and the client success leader here at Geeks Commerce, and Ali Akbar is our senior program manager. I'm going to turn it over to you both. Trisha, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Great to be a part of this All Geek Speak uh, panel today. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm the managing partner and client success leader, and um, I lead our creative and production teams and work very closely with our key accounts. I've been with Geek Speak for almost 13 years at this point, uh, and we've been offering taxonomy and related services for just over 10 years now. Um, I've been lucky enough to be a part of each one of those over the years. Uh, they can definitely be uh, challenging, but also lots of fun. Awesome. And Trish, we're looking forward to hearing some of those battle scars as you've kind of gathered over the past uh, 10 years. Uh, Ali, uh, you're obviously involved in, in the project here as well. Why don't you introduce yourself to us? Thanks, Isaac. So to echo Trisha's uh, thoughts, first of all, very excited to be here. Uh, and for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ali Akbar. I've been with Geekspeak for a while now. It's been, I think, approximately seven years or so. And I have been in the e-commerce business for approximately 20 years. So been a lot involved with taxonomy projects, data attribution projects, digital transformation projects, and I'm guessing, and I'm really excited to, you know, share all of that knowledge in this episode of Point of Purchase today. Fantastic. Well, it's going to be an action-packed, full of information episode, so glad to have you both. Uh, so, Trisha, we're talking today about uh, e-commerce taxonomy and product taxonomy, and this is probably a topic that if you're in an, any part of retail team, at some point you may have heard of. Uh, there's a lot of things that people think taxonomy is things that taxonomy is not. Why don't we start by kind of laying the, grain, the groundwork a little bit, maybe you can walk us through what we need to know from a basics of, uh, of understanding taxonomy. Yeah, so why don't we start with the basics? I mean, taxonomy itself is the science of classification, right? 
And its genesis is really um, in the world of science. So classifying things like plants and animals or flora or fauna into hierarchical systems based on their shared characteristics or attributes, as we like to say in e-com, and their relationships with each other. But when we're talking about taxonomy in the world of e-commerce, we're typically talking about the classification of products within an online retail environment or even a PIM system. Uh, it involves organizing products into a structured hierarchy to allow for easy navigation, as you called out earlier, Isaac, in your opening. Um, it also enables search and provides better overall user experience on the site. I mean, ultimately, it's all about findability, right? And we all know that it takes a lot of effort to drive organic traffic to a site. We do a lot of that type of work. And it also takes a lot of time and money for paid traffic. So once a consumer lands on your site, you want to make sure that Navigate is as easy as possible and that quality product information is available and easy to access so that shoppers don't get frustrated and maybe bounce to a competitor site, perhaps never to be never to return, right? Right, absolutely. I mean, we can certainly speak, uh, when we talk about our clients, a lot of them are investing a lot of funds and resources and effort really driving customers to their site. And once they get there, we want to make sure they have a great experience, obviously, uh, in order for us to, to grow that business. So, Ali, should I kind of set the stage here a little bit in terms of uh, what is the world of taxonomy? Why don't we dig in a little bit more in terms of some of the terms we might hear in a taxonomy project that would help us understand what's happening? Right. So I think they've actually, like Trisha did touch upon a few, but there are a lot of words. I'll Let's just discuss the most common used words, right? So for example, the first one that can probably come to mind is the product hierarchy. Now what a product hierarchy essentially is, is the hierarchical structure, right? It's as simple as browsing a navigation path or a tree. It's used by businesses or retail environments to make sure that all of their categories are organized accordingly. As an example, you wouldn't want to find uh a fridge or a refrigerator in a IT uh, organization, right? An IT category structure. So it's just about that entire hierarchical structure, which is very easy to navigate. Within that navigation structure, you have categories and subcategories. Now, what these are is that it basically allows you to group your products into well thought out product categories, such as men's and women's and kids' clothing. Now, within those broad categories, you have subcategories that can help consumers find or drill down into exact products such as, for example, shirts and pants and shoes, etc. Now, all of this is fine. You have a navigation path where you can browse through, but then within that, you need to identify what in what is the information that you're looking for. Now, those information are part of something called attributes. Attributes are essentially the characteristics of the product. They are essentially, for example, if I tell you it's something is like Ali, you have no idea if Ali is the first name or the last name. The attribute tells you what that information is that you're looking at. Right. And then finally, of course, the most important is the actual value, right? So you need to understand what the what the actual values are. For example, if it's a white color or a blue color or a red color, et cetera, et cetera. So things like that. So these are the very common terms that will be part of almost every taxonomy project that we or anyone else does. Right. And, and this is actually very good information, Ali, because we'll talk about the stakeholders that are involved in taxonomy projects later on. But I think it's really important that Everybody at that table understands the vocabulary and the language that uh, you know we're we're taught we're using in conversation, which could be daunting uh, when talking about taxonomy and e-commerce taxonomy projects. So I'm going to come back to you. Uh, you know, obviously, Geeks uh, Commerce does a lot of taxonomy consulting and do a lot of work for customers. What kind of services kind of fall under this umbrella 
uh, of taxonomy, what, you know, what, what kind of goes in there? Sure. So when clients come to us, they usually have a list of challenges, right? Whether it's poor navigation, poor search, incomplete or inaccurate product data. Maybe it's an inability to compare similar or like products. <clears throat> Sorry, or poor category or product data, right? Uh, needed for a range of internal stakeholder groups. So it's important for us to understand um, the main pain points, uh, the internal needs, as well as the systems and tools that are, are in place. So we'll typically start off with an audit of a site's hierarchy uh, so that we can identify any gaps or areas of opportunity. We then create a new hierarchy after reviewing the existing list of products in the overall catalog. Um, and we do that to determine the breadth and the depth of the categories as well as learn the client's plans for the future so that we build uh, with that future in mind, right? <clears throat> so in addition to that, we'll build out um, attribute templates. Um, Ali just explained what attributes are. So let me build out those attribute templates that take into consideration the most important characteristics of each product category and then provide lists of values for each of those attributes as well. Um, on top of that, we clean up and normalize any existing product data um, that the, the client may have in their catalog. And then when we identify any gaps, we'll also take on the attribution. So we'll go out there and do that product research and secure those attribute values and fill those gaps on behalf of our clients as well. Right. Fantastic. That, that's quite a broad range of services. So it seems like the hierarchy tree is only really part uh, of, of the project and the work, but it's really, you know, how do I get good data in the end? Would that be right, Trish? Absolutely. It's so important. I mean, as Ali called out, the hierarchy is the tree. And for the most part, it's fairly static. It, you do need to review it and edit it um, periodically. <clears throat> but it's the attribute templates that get used quite often every day as you're onboarding new vendors or enriching content. Fantastic. We'll let you get a, a drink of water. Uh, Ali, go <laughs> Over to you. Uh, obviously, we know that taxonomy projects are can be very big, uh, can involve a lot of stakeholders. Quite an investment, obviously, <clears throat> for organizations, especially for large uh, enterprise, uh, you know, retailers, uh, as as many out there. Uh, but the, I guess the important question here is like, why should retailers uh, or businesses pay attention to uh, the work that goes into taxonomy and some of the areas that uh, that Trisha raised? Uh, I think Trisha hit a very important word in the beginning: findability. And I'll just extend upon that word a little bit more because findability leads to conversion. That's essentially the crux of every retail business online, right? Like you want to make sure that you have sales, you want to do conversions. Now imagine doing this with a very poor thought out taxonomy compared to a site that does an amazing job. Let's think of this as an example. Imagine if you were to come to a website and you're clicking on its you know, navigation path, and you're not finding the products that you're looking for. Let's assume it has a very broad structure where all it has is information technology and consumer electronics. Imagine finding the laptop of your choice in that structure. Compared to a taxonomy, uh, a site that has a very well-thought out taxonomy with respect to, uh, you know, the navigation structure, the attributes and everything, it has its left-hand navigation filter that allows you to drill down to the product you're looking for. Similar example, think of it as a grocery example, because I know that people on the call may not be very uh, well-versed with taxonomy. So let's take a real-life example of a grocery store, right? Imagine walking to a grocery store, 
and then your produce is found in the frozen food section and your frozen foods are found in the dairy section. You would never be able to find the products you're looking for, right? Unless you're you're interested in treasure hunts, right? So it's up at the end of the day, it's about making sure that your taxonomies are well thought out because if it's not, you your consumers can't find the product. To Trisha's point, they'll probably leave that website, abandon it, go to another website, find the product from there. And once they have a bad experience, it's starting to drive them back to your website. So all of these things combined is really important that businesses pay attention to your point of making sure that their experience is really excellent in finding that product. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if we're going to spend the money in acquisition of customers, let's make sure that we convert them. Could you expand a little bit? Uh, in my intro, I talked about the importance of taxonomy on the front end, but certainly also the, uh, the importance of taxonomy on the back end and just managing and running uh, with other business units within an organization. Can you touch on how taxonomy helps us there? Oh, for sure. So yeah. So uh, so on the front end, you basically have consumers, right? They want to come, they want to buy products. But at the back end, it's something called, we call a collection taxonomy. And our collection taxonomy is, it drives the front end. All of the data that you see on the front end, right? All of the attributes, the navigation path, and all of that, it's, it's from a user experience level. But at the back end, you can change things a little bit. For example, usually you would have noticed that on the front end, you have things like, uh, Windows laptops and Apple laptops and MacBooks and stuff, right? It's very segregated. But imagine that on the back end, if you had such a granular structure, it would be harder for vendors to onboard their products. So at the back end, you may want something called a laptop, and then you have the operating system that can help drive the front end, right? So you have those business logics that the implementation team or the coding team or the dev team can use to make sure that that collection taxonomy at the back end drives your browse uh, or front end category. So that's, that's primarily why those two are used. You could have them the same. You could, but it's not really good standard practices to do it as such, right? Because of the, the level of complexity, it's better to have it a collection that drives your front end. Right. That's, that's fantastic. And thank you for sharing that, Ali. It's only something that we have found in taxonomy projects. The buyer in the end is really one stakeholders, but in the broader context of here's my retail ecosystem, there's so many you know folks within, within an organization that are going to use and touch that data. Uh, back on the front end, uh, Trisha, I'm going to come to you as we're, you know, we're talking today about how to drive sales online with better taxonomy. How can maybe build on what Ali said, how can a proper taxonomy help a retailer really drive their sales, which has become really important for a lot of customers, sorry, a lot of retailers? Sure. And hopefully my voice holds up for this answer. So um, before I get into the retailer, I just want to touch on um, brands for a second here. So from a brand perspective, if you don't have complete and accurate product information at the ready uh, to complete those wonderful retailer onboarding templates, it's going to delay your ability to launch and to ultimately sell product, right? So everything is quite time sensitive. You literally cannot sell a product if it's not listed. So having all these data points at the ready is incredibly important. Um, now, it will also impact your sales on the retailer or marketplace platform platform if you don't have quality product information. Right. So um, as Ali called out, you know, consumers are looking for great information in order to make good purchasing decisions, informed purchasing decisions. And so if those that information is not available, they'll simply, you know, go to another site that offers that to them. So from a retailer or marketplace perspective now, um, if consumers can't find a product on your site, they ultimately can't purchase it. So a logical and intuitive category tree is so important to site navigation 
making finding a product as easy as possible, as Ali called out earlier, right? Uh, the other piece is that retailers and their vendor community as well need to ensure that products are properly classified, that they're actually in the right category, right? Um, so I'll give you, I'll stay out of the the uh, electronics or laptop category, as Ali just used it for before an ex exaggerated example. For example, let's say we're looking at a sleeping bag um, that should probably be classified into camping gear versus, let's say, bedding, right? Um, similar, but very, very different categories. So, um, you know, using another lap, another example, going back to Ali's laptops, um, shoppers may not know exactly what kind of laptop they're looking for, but maybe they know some of the characteristics that they're looking for, right? So things like screen size, maybe it's the operating system, the processing speed. Um, so these are things that they could use to do a faceted search that are based on these attributes, right? Or they could even filter using a site's left-hand navigation to easily drill down to a product that meets their needs, right? So um, complete attributes really enable product comparisons so that consumers can look at similar or like products side by side and make an informed purchasing decision, right? Uh, consumers are out there looking for looking for information. They do a lot of research before they make decisions these days. Absolutely. And it's, it sounds like completeness of that data is driven by the templates that are driven by the taxonomy that's driven by the structures. A lot of that kind of comes together uh, you know, quite well. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, before I get on to my next questions, I do want to let you know, uh, as viewers or listeners of our podcast, this is a Point of Purchase, episode 21. Uh, the episode today is Find It If You Can, and we're talking about how to implement taxonomies to drive online sales for retailers. So if you do have questions for my two guests here, Trisha or Ali, please feel free to drop them in the chat. We'll take them up uh, before the end of the show. If you listen to the podcast, it'll be way after that, so feel free to email them to us and we'll we'll follow that up. Uh, so, Trish, I'm going to come back to you here. Uh, you mentioned uh, when you were introducing yourself that you've been at 10 years of taxonomy projects, which uh, is awesome. Uh, so you've probably seen a lot uh, in implementation of these projects, how they start off, how they go on, how they go off the rails. Uh, or, you know, a project manager or, or VP of UX or usability or data team needs who are sitting there trying to figure out what to expect. Can you walk us through, you know, the common pitfalls uh, of, of taxonomy projects, good versus bad, some of the best practices that's how you've been part of? Sure. Uh, I'm not going to name drop at all uh, now, and I'll uh, keep it fairly high level. But I think when when looking at taxonomies, um, you know, generally speaking, right, I think a big challenge is when you're of a significant size um, as a retailer, but you don't have a proper MDM or master data team, right, in place. Um, you need a group that's really going to own the responsibility for your data architecture and all the standards and governance. Um, and I think without it, you can definitely it can definitely be a chaotic environment um, where you have people from different departments making decisions or changes um, or influencing those changes on the fly without the knowledge, expertise, or even the right line of sight. Right? They may have a very narrow um, purview and not have an understanding of the business overall. So it's really important that, um, you know, retailers or marketplace platforms establish that MDM team to really own that responsibility of the data architecture. Um, I would also say that, you know, while you do want that M MDM team in place, 
you also don't want decisions to be made in a silo, right? It really requires engagement of all the different stakeholder groups. And I think we're going to get into that in a little bit more detail later on. Right. Um, but you do want to make sure that you have engagement from these different departments, um, you know, to allow for collaboration, participation. And we like to also encourage healthy debate, right? It's really important. Um, as these types of projects can be transformational and we want to make sure that we have all the relevant voices um, heard and, um, you know, their points of view um, respected as well and implemented in whatever solution we come up with. Um, and then I would also say what's really important, too, is that there's executive sponsorship, right? Um, as mentioned a few times now, taxonomy related projects can be transformational. And so... Anything of that nature requires executive sponsorship, um, and it just signals to the rest of the organization that, hey, this is important. This is going to change a lot for us. Uh, we really need that leadership to really set the tone for the project so that all the um, relevant departments participate actively, right? It's not necessarily the most glamorous uh, type of project. And so we just want to make sure that with that leadership, it signals to the rest of the organization that, hey, this is important and it needs your attention and active participation. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. Certainly, we found that in a lot of these projects we go into, a lot of them have kind of just evolved organically uh, over years and years of companies just existing. So there's never really been a focus to kind of say, okay, we need to take this and actually fix it. Uh, in order for that to happen, you're absolutely right. You do need to have that executive sponsorship, but have the right people at the table as well, because, you know, we call them stakeholders for a reason, but they all have something to benefit and an interest in this project. So thank you for sharing. Ali, I'm going to come back to you and call you Dr. Akbar for a moment, but can you give us the anatomy of a taxonomy project from beginning to end? What does it look like? And what are those, how do those components fit together? I'm sure I'd like, so I think uh, Trisha touched upon this in the beginning, but we start off usually with an audit. What's the purpose of that audit, right? It's to understand the current pain points of the customer. It's to understand the space that they're operating. As an example, let's assume that we have done no analysis and we start building a category structure for automotive parts when they're selling clothing, right? You need to do that audit. You need to understand what those, uh, what the spaces that the customer is operating in, what the challenges are, what the good things are that they would like to retain. And all of that is uncovered during the audit phase. Once you have that, you know what the pain points are, you know what the good things are, you know what the space is, you then move on to basically creating that navigation path that users can use, that vendors can use to onboard customers' uh, products. Once you have that, that tree defined, what is the purpose of that tree to facilitate onboarding and also to facilitate user browsing, right? But that's not really the end of it. Because just with that in place, if you have no products in there, what are you going to do? And for those products, you essentially need to also then have attribute template if I, you need to understand what consumers want to see to uh the example of clothing for example i want if i'm buying this shirt i want to know if it's a crew neck if it's a v-neck i want to know if it's a short sleeve or a long sleeve i want to see the color i want to see the brand name i i, I want to see if it's printed so there's a lot of information that i want to know about just a single shirt or a t-shirt before i even want to buy that product, right what's the size of that t-shirt so that's all of this is part of a, of a template, which is called an attribute template. And then associated with them, there are values and data types. Uh, a value would be, as an example, you know, for example, the red color of this t-shirt is a value for this t-shirt. 
Now there could be a data type. Now what a data type, it could essentially be if it's a numeric value or if it's a drop-down value that it treats from, right? So you have all of that defined on the attribution template and the value generation phase. Once all of this is done, you also sometimes want to standardize and normalize that data. Now imagine if the customer has a midnight black versus a black versus a, you know, other sorts of blacks. They're all just black technically. You want to make sure that it's standardized and normalized. So someone, to Trisha's example, was using the left-hand filter to find black t-shirts or red t-shirts, they would have all the red t-shirts available. Right? So that's where the data standardization and normalization phase comes in. Right. All of this is done, but there's no attribution. And by attribution, we generally refer to data aggregation, where we need to go out and find product information that's missing for those attributes. Because without that, you can't really generate any product information. You can't display products. You won't even be able to drive your front end, right? Because if you don't know at the back end if this product is a Windows laptop, going back to my laptop example, you can't show it in the correct front end navigation path. And then finally, all of this is done. And the last part, I guess, is not really uh, taxonomy, but it's the most important and critical part, which is governance. Imagine having your entire taxonomy work done. You have a great taxonomy structure created, attribute templates, everything, standardized values and all that. But you have no process in place to determine if anything, any changes in that work that has been completed has to go through a process, right? So for example, if I just feel really, really, I just want to come in and add in a value saying, hey, midnight red, oh, sorry, cherry red. I can do that, right? And then that whole value system starts getting cluttered. Imagine adding in a category. Like I just feel like adding in a new category without understanding that there's already a belief node somewhere that has the exact uh, characteristics of the product that I'm determining. And that is where I should use to put my product. So governance rules, while not taxonomy, but the management of that taxonomy system is really critical. And that's, I think, where we usually end it off with. Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I'll, I'll pick up on your, on your point, number one, taxonomy audit, as we all know, it look at, you know, what is a legacy? What did we have before? But sometimes that audit is really about gathering stakeholder statements about what they feel are the pain points. Uh, the e-commerce team may feel different from the PIM team which will be feel very different from the logistics team in terms of what they want to see in that hierarchy. So you're absolutely right. All this is extensive uh, and definitely builds on each other, which is, uh, which is really quite fantastic. And I'm going to pick up your last point, Ali. We talked about you know, you know creation and governance, and this kind of leads into my next question around change management and some of the tools that are involved in building out taxonomies and managing taxonomies and maintaining taxonomies. Could you uh, perhaps touch on some of those? I'm um, sure. So, I mean, I won't name drop, but there are, if, if there are basically vocabulary managers or taxonomy systems, management software that are available that can help you maintain all of those taxonomies and then roll out any version. So you could think of it as a, uh, you know, as a, as a demo environment or a production environment that is separate from your actual live environment, right? So you're making your changes and then it's ready and it's tested. You can roll it out onto your live environment. So you have vocabulary managers and taxonomy management systems out there that we can use. We usually, how those work is that behind the scenes work is usually done in Excel because it's easier to just, you know, make those edits. But once it's, it's done, it's usually put in or transformed into those taxonomy images. And those have the system, those have the flexibility to output data and the required needs on the consumer side, right? You can do a JSON file or an XML file that just allows them to take that information and ingest it into their systems right away. Right, fantastic. Uh, so the next topic is, is is the next question. 
uh, is on a topic that you probably see 10 times a day, and that's really uh, about the impact that AI is having in all fields. Uh, now, in building out taxonomy projects, we've found that there's, there's an opportunity and there's an impact here as well. Uh, Trish, I'm going to start with you. A, are you excited about what AI is doing? What is it doing in in, in, in taxonomy projects and uh, any comments you'd have on that? Sure, absolutely. I, I think you're right, Isaac. I mean, AI or artificial intelligence comes up every day or multiple times a day. Um, and we've been utilizing um, and experimenting with AI for years internally at GeekSpeak. And since, uh, you know, the advent of OpenAI and ChatGPT, things have just exploded. So uh, we have found that it's been incredibly um, useful um, to us in our work um, on taxonomy and related projects. Uh, and the biggest thing that I can call out is that it's just a huge time saver. Um, you know, taxonomy projects typically require a lot of research at the category level, at the product level. And sometimes, um, you know, these categories are very specific, very nuanced. Perhaps it's something that you're not necessarily really exposed to on a daily basis. Ali, I, I remember a project that we did that was in oil and gas. Like, this is not a domain that I know much about. And so, you know, we had to do a tremendous amount of, of research. So I think using um, AI in this use case would be a huge uh, time saver. And, you know, it can also be used to uh, identify uh, relevant attributes as well as their values. It's certainly a great starting point to work with. Um, and it can even help you with classifying products. Um, and to that end, you know, we've I touched on ChatGPT, but there are also vocabulary management platforms already that have implemented, um, you know, different elements of AI in their platforms. So, you know, they're being used to tag um, products or uh, different articles within their systems. But um, there's a lot of innovation happening just across so many different domains. But internally, it's been fantastic for us. It's been a huge um, time saver for sure. Not that I, I do have to say we can't rely solely on AI. It does require human intervention. We still do need to review um, and ensure that the results are on point. And in a lot of cases, still do quite a bit of editing, right? Um, there's no substitution right now for humans. The AI is definitely advanced and come, come a long way. But um, I still think you need the help of taxonomists and uh, folks with a lot of experience in this space, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned some of the, the vocab tools beginning to uh, integrate some of the sentiment analysis that NLP models bring to auto tag you know, you know, entities within, uh, within a data set. I think that is really cool. Ali, are you excited about AI and how, how do you see it working uh, when it comes to taxonomy projects? Yes. Uh, so first, day, Patricia's thought of not just AI, humans still have some work to do. Yeah. Uh, but I think the part about the domain, right, the domain expertise, it can help uh, sift through a lot of research time that's required. And in fact, Trisha touched upon AI being able to, e being used to classify products, it can actually be used to classify documents even, right? Yeah. You can give it documents and can actually identify if it's a media document or a manual or et cetera. So you can actually, it's it's getting to a point where it's really uh, helpful in making sure that those classifications are done. Other than classification, that's one thing that, for example, we may not have discussed so far, but like alternative text or labels, right? You have product terms, but then you also have synonyms for those categories. Like, for example, assuming 
uh, I would want to say a laptop, but I could also call it a notebook, right? So if someone wants to search in the search bar notebooks, those are usually called aliases or alternative labels in the taxonomy domain. AI could help predict those as well, right? So instead of someone racking their brains or doing a Google search or something like that to find out that, AI can be used for that purpose as well. It has a lot of uh, what you call value, but just that caveat over that, you just cannot rely purely on that. Like you can't just say to any idea, I have an uh, you know, clothing uh, business, define me a product taxonomy for clothing, right? It, it wouldn't work too well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so the taxonomy is a very custom, very nuanced, uh, depending on the category and, and the customer you're talking about. Uh, but it's exciting. And I can't wait to see where it goes. We're early days yet, but I'm very, very encouraged with the results we see uh, on the content side, but certainly also on the data side of projects. Uh, Trish, I want to come back to you. Uh, you. You began to get into this a little bit. Uh, think of me as uh, you know, a client, a customer who's recognized that we need to do uh, you know, a cleanup because our site experience is horrible. Let's talk about the stakeholders uh, a little bit here when it comes to focusing on taxonomy projects that are going to succeed and work out well. Uh, talk about the roles. Talk about who you need to have at the table uh, before you even kick off on day one. Sure. Um, I think it'll look different depending on the makeup of each organization, right? So I'll rhyme off a few different roles and, you know, it may be a little bit different depending on the, the organization, but um, as mentioned earlier, you definitely need uh, executive sponsorship. They don't necessarily need to be represented in the core group, but um, you do need that sponsorship off the, the top. Um, I would also say your MDM team, if you have one, uh, PIM team, if you've got one as well. Um, and if you've got a team focused on UI or UX, uh, their representation is also very important. Um, I'd also say the content team, if you have folks who are working internally to develop product um, related content, they should have some level of representation as well. And then of course, the folks who are interfacing with your vendor community, you'd like to get their insights also. Um, and then let's see, I, I'd say also your sales teams, your digital team, if you've got one, documentation right. team and your, your commercial teams, right? So those are a lot of different groups. I'm not saying that you need to have someone from each of those departments, um, but certainly they can be brought in and out as needed. But what I would recommend is that you identify, you know, a, a small core group that can work with your partner. If it's GeekSpeak, fantastic. Um, but work with that tight core group from start to finish because taxonomy projects can be very um, detail-oriented, um, very time-consuming, and they build, right? So every week we're advancing and learning new things about that specific um, hierarchy and the, the specific product set. So each week builds and we want to make sure that this tight core group can come along with us on the ride, right? Um, and then when you hit particular milestones, you can bring in some of these um, other stakeholder groups um, for specific uh, moments for their input, right? But those are the folks that I, I would like to see at the table uh, when we're working on a tax. Fantastic. And I think that builds on, you know, Ali's earlier uh, layout of an anatomy where really that first audit and understanding of what is the, the lay of the land at the moment uh, becomes important. We want to talk to the stakeholders who are going to use this taxonomy so we know what they're looking for, what challenge they're seeing uh, when rolling that out. So Trish, we're going to expand a little bit. That, that was a group that may be local, but how do these projects kind of 
roll out when it's a, a global international uh, interest where uh, a client is in many, many countries or the stakeholders and the users of this taxonomy are going to be in many, many different places. How do those projects uh, play out? Sure. Um, it's a good question. Um, I think that your global team absolutely needs to lead the effort because they have that fuller view, the more holistic view of the business. Um, they're also able to make um, decisions at the company level, and they also have a better understanding of what future plans are for the business, right? Um, now, that being said, I think it's also really important that local teams um, in various countries or zones have an awareness of the project and they're allowed to submit any requests or raise any challenges that they may be experiencing on the ground um, for consideration in the taxonomy project, right? Um, and I think the more engaged those local um, teams in different countries or zones are, the more likely they are to ultimately embrace the change that right. is inevitably going to come, right? right. Um, and I think it might also make sense to include uh, key markets um, on your core team, uh, your core project team, uh, to ensure that they have a voice throughout. Because if, you know, 80% of your business is coming from a specific country or region, it would make sense that they're pretty vocal um, throughout this process, right? Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, and I, I know there's, you, you alluded to it, the whole notion of localization and representing the need for that specific zone, uh, being part of that initial conversation, I think is important. For sure. And, you know, it's in, important that any um, content that we create from the hierarchy uh, to the attribute templates are translated and localized um, because they won't be used otherwise. Um, and as called out, you know, the language that we use in taxonomy projects uh, can be very precise. And so we want to make sure that we don't lose any of that precision, um, you know, just by simply translating. We also need to localize it so that it makes sense on the ground for the users of this, of these tools, ultimately, right? Right. Fantastic. So, Ali, we're learning a lot about taxonomy and hopefully our audience is getting uh, the benefit of, of, of yours as well as Trisha's expertise here. Thank you so much. Uh, We've talked a lot about product taxonomy, and obviously this is all about e-com, but you know, it seems that taxonomy is broader than categorizing products. Can you touch on other areas of debates where taxonomy may be found at maybe where? Well, um, to start off with that grocery example, taxonomy is found everywhere, right? Like it is found from the basics of living and non-living things. Essentially, it's also taxonomy, but in terms of other domains, Think of agriculture domain, energy utility suppliers, healthcare, business segmentation. You can find taxonomy uh, work for tourism, right? All of these different domains does need to have some sort of taxonomy defined. Like, for example, if you think of, let's say, uh, financial and insurance services, right? You need to understand if it's fund management activities or if it's uh, non-life insurance, if it's pension funding. All of these are different subcategories and categories and this whole thing is taxonomy work right so all of this has nothing to do with sale but it's also with services right you can identify all of these so taxonomy in my head covers pretty much all the everything in this world right like anything you look at grocery store you walk into has to be standardized you go to a website has to be properly laid out taxonomy i think is pretty much everywhere and Right. I think we're all using the Netflix taxonomy every day to find 
that's why it's community. So that's 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 really awesome. Uh, again, uh, it seems that uh, this project is obviously quite critical in the success of, uh, of retailers running their business both uh, front-facing and back-end, just essentially managing how they run and work with internal stakeholders. Uh, this project, from what I'm hearing, could be quite involved, uh, could be quite expensive, uh, and can involve a lot of people, both you know, locally and obviously just globally as well. Uh, you've been part of a bunch of these uh, at this point, and just before we wrap up with you, uh, with you both, any takeaways uh, or one or two statements that says, you know what, if you're going to do a technology project properly, you must do this. Uh, Trish, why don't I start with you? Well, I think uh, like we called out at the very beginning, it's all about findability, right? So I think improved site navigation and product data will have a direct impact on your sales and customer experience. So I'd say find a partner you trust, whether it's GeekSpeak or another company. We would prefer that it's that, that it's GeekSpeak for sure, um, but definitely partner with an expert. Um, the work is not exactly glamorous, as I called out earlier. It really requires a lot of focus, attention to detail, collaboration, but also knowledge and experience. So I'd encourage um, whoever's listening um, to, you know, make that investment, partner up with a, a good agency to guide you through this process. Fantastic. So Ali, over to you. If you're going to do uh, deliver the successful taxonomy project, you must do this. Hire the experts first. Do a good Trisha's thoughts. But again, it's it's about it's it's it sounds very easy, right? It's like, okay, I just have to think of this. But then you have to take into account that it could be you could leave it so broad that customers would be perplexed of finding that product, right? At the end of the day we are using the word findability or not. Up or on the other extreme of it, you could make it so granular that they won't be able to compare products. Uh, that t-shirt thing, I don't know why it's keeping on coming into my head, but like, imagine if you had a t-shirt that drilled down into a red sleeve, red short sleeve crew leg t-shirt. Imagine the customer's frustration where they just wanted to see all the red t-shirts and then have filters whether they wanted to see a long sleeve or a short sleeve or a v-neck or a crew neck or a graphic or not graphic, right? So it's a fine balance that you have to walk. It sounds easy like to the point it does sound easy like it's just a common sense right but it's unfortunately not that common you have to the experts know what they're doing right and there's Baymar institutes that do research on how what the how many levels there should be within a certain category structure there's so much science behind it so hire the experts first and at the end of the day make sure that it's user friendly it's about how your customer interacts with your website Right, fantastic. And I think that's great advice from you both. I love the passion you both have uh, for data and taxonomy, but that's why I guess you're, you're geeks at Geekspeak. Uh, to wrap up, we do always like to end with a fun show that Megan, our producer, has come up with. Uh, and I'm going to start with you. Tell us about the last experience you had shopping online and what was your feeling about their hierarchy and their taxonomy? Sure. I, well, in this case, I will name drop. I, it was on Amazon. <laughs> so... Um, and I guess the, the product attributes were really important in this case because my dad is fixing up a 1991 BMW. So he asked me for to help him find some beige seat covers. Yeah. So all, all I had, and this is via text, all I had was, okay, a 1991 BMW and beige uh, seat covers. So um, I did that search and if anybody has, you know, been on Amazon for, you know, products related to um, automotive, 
there's a lot of product attributes that are out there because it's all related to fitment, right? So um, in that particular category, um, it's just so important that the product will actually work in your specific make, model, series, and all that. So I, t I tried to drill down as far as I could. And then ultimately I said, you know what, let me get a universal one because I don't even know if these are the original seats for this car. So um, I got a universal option. So fingers crossed. I hope it works. Right. So it sounds like a, a thumbs up for Amazon's uh, taxonomy. Uh, Ali, over to you. What was the last thing you bought online? And how was your experience with their taxonomy? Um, so I won't name drop, <laughs> but I'm actually looking for two things at this point. I'm looking for a TV. I'm looking for a sofa as well. So a TV, obviously, people would probably guess where I'm looking at. It's a major electronics retailer. Was pleasantly surprised. I mean, it was a good taxonomy structure. Some, uh, you know, improvements can certainly be made everywhere. But overall, it was good. I was able to find the product I was looking for relatively easily. The other thing was the sofa. I was on a furniture website. And eventually, I did find the product. I mean, I did find the products that I would look for, but I was a little, um, you know, confused with how to compare products, the upsells of the products, the cross-sells. So it's just a little challenging to traverse that. But I mean, I found what I was looking for. So, you know, it's, it wasn't bad, I guess. but it took me some time. Right. So it sounds like, like it was full marks for one and half marks uh, for the other one. Uh, I want to thank you guys both for being on the show. I know you probably should be doing some taxonomy work, but you're here to share your knowledge. Thank you very much for being part of this. Uh, for everybody watching, thank you so much for tuning in to Point of Purchase, episode 2021. We learned that Ali's shopping for a sofa and and Chris is looking for a car seat cover. Uh, be sure to tune in to the next episode. You can always find us on, uh, on geekspeakcommerce.com. Of course, you can follow us on social media, uh, on LinkedIn, as well as Twitter to find out what the next episode is. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see everybody next time. Thank you so much, guys. That was so much fun. Thank, Thank you, guys. Bye.